You're listening to an encore presentation from the Transformation Talk Radio Network. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. You may be listening live here in the Seattle area on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM KKNW, or anywhere around the world on Transformation Talk Radio. Or you might be listening after the fact on one of the 50 stations where this ends up, including on ChristineUpchurch.com. But whenever and wherever you're joining us from today, so grateful you're here, and you're going to be grateful, too, because we've got another great conversation. But before I share who our guest is today, I want to say hello to the man behind the technology who just seems to be a, a great multitasker, who's in a quite the Christmassy sweater, <laughs> yeah! Mr. Benny Mathers. Well, Festivus around here uh, for the rest of us, as far as uh, we have a little, it's not a holiday thing. Well, I guess it is a holiday thing, but they said today is to bring your festive holiday sweater. Uh-huh. So I busted out Chris Kringle. He's got some sunglasses on. Yeah. There's a little pocket in the front for a beverage holder. <laughs> it is a beverage holder for some beverage that's clearly empty right now, which oh I could dear. really use. Oh, dear. I only got an hour left in the shift. So yeah, There you go. There you go. I'm looking forward to it. Did you get all your shopping done? Um, all your almost. cats got everything they needed? Oh, yeah. All and, their stockings. And my kids, you know, it's like I, I'm the kind of person who will get things that I buy for my kids anywhere, yeah. anyway and then wrap them up at Christmas time because mm-hmm. it just happens to be around Christmas. Right. So there are plenty of packages under the tree. Um, I did, I'm a little behind on some of the stuff that I normally do because lost power all day yesterday. I had, it was pretty wet, uh, wet and wild and windy. So oh to speak. my yeah. goodness. So yeah. everything okay up at your house? I mean, yeah, okay. well, I'm, you know, it's funny because I, I, I will often be like enclosing the house in white mm-hmm. light visually and, uh, right, you're the brightest the one on the block right now. <laughs> well, you were the brightest one on the block, I guess. But it's <laughs> You know, I've got all these like 60, 70 foot trees and when you get yeah. 60 mile per hour gusts and you're this little house in the middle of it and not so little, but, you know, mm-hmm. small enough relative to the trees that, um, you know, it's like things come flying down. A little and, nervous, but you were protected. I guess there's the bright side to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If that's what you want to call like, it, then sure. I go back and forth between my, you know, my my <laughs> conscious level and then my, my human like, oh, crap, I hope that doesn't hit. Reality check. <laughs> yes, right. yes. But everything, I mean. Overall yeah. is okay. okay yeah, good. the yard's a mess, but um, no trees down on my property. I'd give you something to do, I guess. Uh, You're yeah, like, who no. is this guy? <laughs> Get your sons to help. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. And I I'm grateful to be here today. I'm grateful to have power back. I am too. I'm thankful you're here. And it's, you know, just a few days before Christmas. I know. Um, oh, my goodness. Get I don't ready. know. It, it so happened excited. fast. It I happened know. fast. And, you know, um, our associate producer, Peggy Snow, has been saying for a long time, we need to have somebody on the show who talks about Enneagrams, and I've got the perfect person to do that. And she chose our guest today, Beatrice Chestnut. She's a licensed psychotherapist, a coach, a business consultant, and she's based out in San Francisco. So same coast, but a little farther south. She has her doctorate in communication studies and a master's in clinical psychology. She's been a student of the Enneagram system since 1990, and she's the author of a couple of different books, uh, The Complete Enneagram, 27 Paths to Greater Self-Knowledge, and The Nine Types of Leadership, Mastering the Art of People in the 21st Century Workplace. She was the president of the International Enneagram Association from 2006 to 2007, and she offers public workshops on the Enneagram internationally. She focuses on using it as a tool for personal and professional transformation. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Beatrice Chestnut. Hi, Beatrice. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> you know, um, I'm really appreciative that it, as a part of my research, you sent me a link to take um, this Enneagram survey. Now, I have to tell you that, oh, there's so many systems out there, and I feel a little overwhelmed by them. Um, and 
at, on the other side of learning what category we, we belong to, you know, there's got to be a real payoff. And I'll tell you, I found it very fascinating. But before we get into some of the details about that, I'm just curious about how you found your way to the Enneagram and why it is you've been inspired to share this with the world. So I learned the Enneagram in 1990, actually kind of by accident, um, from a friend's father. So I had grown up with a, a guy who was a good friend of mine from junior high on. And uh, when I was in my early 20s, I learned the Enneagram from his father, who was a psychiatrist at Stanford, um, and who wow. had recently come upon the Enneagram and just, you know, even being a psychiatrist, thought he thought it was like the thing, the, the best thing he'd ever seen to help people understand themselves. So oh, was, my goodness. That says a lot, doesn't it? Yes. And he was starting uh, an Enneagram school with Helen Palmer, who was a person who wrote one of the first popular books about the Enneagram. And so one night over dinner, he said, this is what I, this is what it is. I think here's what type I think you might be. Uh-huh. And I went home and read uh, a few chapters of Helen Palmer's book, and I was completely uh, completely surprised in a good way, and uh, and really it felt like it changed my life almost immediately in terms of giving me so much information about myself, um, part that I already knew, but then parts that I barely wanted to admit uh-huh. uh, and didn't really want to see in myself, sure. but uh, just gave me so much self-knowledge, and it almost like, what's going on that there's something like this that can... Um, show me so much about myself to myself in a way that I never thought possible. So right. that's that's when I learned it, and I went through their school. They started an Enneagram training program, uh, and I happened to go move to Chicago to do my doctorate at that point, and I had a cousin that lived there who happened to know the Enneagram, and he gave me some of the books uh, of people who were sort of talking about the, sort of the ancient teachings behind the Enneagram, and uh-huh. so that made me even more interested uh, so how far so, does it go back? You talk about ancient teachings. Well, no one really knows exactly where it came from, but I think it's hundreds, probably thousands of years old. You find traces of it in uh, some ancient teachings and uh, the Greeks. Uh, and the thing I like to point to that I think is, you know, there's, there's, it's hard to find hard proof because a lot of the Enneagram related teachings came through secret schools uh, right. uh, where people couldn't really reveal what they were doing. Sure. <laughs> um, but the thing I like to point to that I think is pretty clear evidence of that the Enneagram has been around for a long time is Homer's Odyssey. Uh-huh. You know, this is one of the first books ever written down. Uh, it's a story of homecoming of Odysseus who invented the Trojan horse uh-huh. after the Trojan War. He's sure. going home a metaphoric journey home to the true self, and he visits nine mythic lands with nine mythic creatures, and he encounters all these challenges, as you know, and it turns out these nine lands and their creatures uh, match the themes of the Enneagram types exactly. Isn't that interesting? And he visits these lands in order as they're arrayed around the Enneagram 9876543211. Um, and, and so I think that kind of made me think, okay, there's at least some, there's other kind of forms of proof in, in like esoteric Christianity and, and places like that. But um, no one really knows where it comes from, but it's thought to be very old. So on a high level, what is the Enneagram? The Enneagram is, it's a, it's different things, but I think mainly it's a personal growth tool. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a way of gaining insight into our automatic patterns uh-huh. uh, that form our personality. And it, it sort of highlights things uh, about ourselves and the way we operate in the world. And it's a growth tool in that it's kind of based on the idea that our personality isn't all of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's only that part of us that developed to survive in the world. And by, and so it helps us, uh, and it gets us to a certain point. But when, in adulthood, it becomes, in a way, like an in, it becomes self-limiting uh-huh. because we tend to do the same things we've done over and over again because they work. Sure. We tend to lean on the same strengths that we have, and we don't realize that um, we're not developing other parts of ourselves. We don't see certain blind spots. Uh-huh. Uh, and so the Enneagram highlights what our blind spots are. It highlights both our strengths and our challenges so that we can 
recognize what we might need to learn about ourselves and kind of break out of old defensive patterns and grow more into who all of who we can be you mm-hmm. know, to manifest more of our higher potential. So do you think that it's, you, you talked about like, you know, based on our, our upbringing and stuff, do you think it's all nurtured? Do you think there's a, a nature piece of it as well? Do you think we're, we're born with certain tendencies? I do. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's uh, a lot a lot nature. Uh-huh. I think we are born as who we are. We're not born as sort of a blank slate. Um, certainly, nurture uh, early environment has an effect, and a lot of people who study this have have come to the point where it's not nature versus nurture; uh-huh. it's nature and nurture, sure. or nature needs nurture. Uh-huh. So, I think there are certain things nurture influences, and certainly people can look back on their childhood and say, "Oh, I can see how this personality." type that I ended up being kind of worked in my environment and how I used it as a strategy. Right. But I think it's really based on inborn tendencies to a large degree. Mm -hmm. And I think that any parent who's had multiple kids um, can attest to the fact that our children arrive with personality intact. It's like kind of like there are certain things that can be nurtured or kind of, you know, helped to kind of shift away from. But generally speaking, we arrive here with with yes. personality and I think purpose as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, when we return from our break, I'm going to have Beatrice share with you about the the nine different types, what that means, and, and also talk a little bit about subtypes, which really helps to inform us better about um, who we are and what our strengths and weaknesses are and, and how we can evolve. Stay tuned for more with Beatrice Chestnut here in just a few moments. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com, and listen to the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. Pacific with host Sherry Clark. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrick Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. And I've really enjoyed watching Benny (laughs) 
dancing to that music just the way they do in, in the Peanuts. In the Peanuts. Do you remember the scene? They're on stage oh, and they're, all, do, they're yeah. all doing their own little dance. I was dance. in my mind right. and then you started <laughs> doing that with your head. And, and I turn like, to the side and yeah. you do like the Linus where you yeah. go back and forth. Yeah, you're gonna, you guys are going to, those of you who are watching <laughs> online are going to wish that the camera had been pointed to Benny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You do just fine. You, do just fine. Oh, you know, um, Beatrice, I'm fascinated by this system of nine different types, and I know that there's subtypes, and, and that's informative too, but can you first please share with our listeners about these nine different types and um, what some of the characteristics are so that people can just start to think in terms of who they might be? Sure, sure. I do like to start with the three centers of intelligence. So okay. there are nine types, and it's the Enneagram's based on, uh, it has a mathematical basis, but it's based on the idea that we have three centers of intelligence. We're three-brained beings. We have a head, a heart, and a body, all of which are kind of co-equal centers of intelligence. Uh And there are three types that kind of live more from the head Uh uh, than the other two centers, three types that live more from the heart and three types that live more from the body. And the three body-based types are eight, nine, and one. And each of them have um, their 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 character is a bit shaped by uh, their connection to anger. Doesn't mean they always get angry. It just means their character is shaped by the relationship they have to that key emotion. Uh, I would say eights, uh, nines, and ones. Uh, eights tend to overdo anger. Nines underdo anger, and ones are kind of in in between. Uh-huh. Um, starting with ones. Ones are sometimes called, and I don't use the names in my book because I think they can confuse as much as they enlighten, but I do like when people are first hearing about it, it does give a little bit of information to start with. Sure. Ones are the perfectionist or the reformer. Uh Uh, These are people that tend to see very clearly how something could be more perfect or something could be improved. They tend to be a bit self-critical, and they tend to see the world in terms of right and wrong, and Mm -hmm. they want to do the right thing, and they want to be good. Uh, They want to be virtuous. Uh, and so they can tend to be very focused on making the world a better place and mm-hmm. improving things. Um, I would say nines are sometimes called the mediator or the peacemaker. Uh-huh. Uh, these are people who uh, like to create harmony where they go. They like everyone to get along. They tend to be very connected to people. They don't like conflict. So they tend to be people who diffuse conflict naturally. They can see all sides of an issue uh, but they kind of sometimes have a hard time knowing what their own view is or what their own or acting in their own behalf because uh-huh. their attention goes out to others and how they can connect with others and adapt to others and kind of make things go more smoothly in the world of others. And then uh, eights are sometimes called the challenger or the boss. Uh-huh. Um, eights tend to be their attention, and, and the Enneagram is based a lot on where your attention goes, and eights' attention goes to power. Uh, and control, and who has the power, will they be fair, will they be just, uh-huh. uh, they like to uh, make big things happen, uh-huh. uh, they can tend to be rebellious and kind of go against uh, people, especially if they're, they think they're not being just, or they're uh, not uh, protecting other people, they can be very generous and protected and big-hearted, but can also have a big energy, and other people often find them intimidating because of this big energy. Um, Twos, threes, and fours are what we call heart types, so they come more from emotion, and they focus more on relationship, more as a primary focus. Twos are sometimes, this is my type, twos are sometimes called the giver or the helper, but I think this can be misleading because it's actually strategic help. Uh, Twos want to be liked by others, and and supporting others is often a means to getting liked. Uh Um, they tend to focus on relationships a lot. They tend to be um, very generous and supportive of others, but it's, uh, it's a kind of a strategy to get their needs met without having to ask directly because they, they often got the message in childhood that it wasn't okay to be needy, right, uh, right. so they tend to focus on others. Okay, so then uh, Type 3, three okay. is sometimes called the performer. Um, uh, type threes, it's interesting, Type America is a type three culture. Um, type threes are very uh, uh, work-focused. Uh-huh. Um, twos, threes, and, twos and threes uh, try to create an image to be liked or approved of. Twos try to create an image of being supportive, helpful, friendly, loving. Um, threes try to create an image of being successful and productive. 
Uh-huh. Uh, so they tend to be very work-focused. They're the workaholics of the Enneagram. They tend to be very focused on being effective and productive. Uh, they're Even though they're heart types, they tend to turn down the volume on their feelings because mm. feelings get in the way of doing. <laughs> and they're very focused on doing and achieving and uh, goals, very at task orientation, because if you're going to be successful, it pays to be able to kind of meet any goal that you want. So Three is a, a, a type that's very at home, say, in American corporate culture right, uh, because right. they're very results-oriented. Yep. Fours, uh, sometimes called the romantic or the artist, um, and fours are probably the type that's most in touch with their emotion and tends to feel emotion very deeply and mm-hmm. a wider range of emotions. They can feel things very intensely. Uh, they tend to focus on... Um, on comparing themselves to others, and sometimes they find themselves to be lacking or deficient mm-hmm. or kind of needing something to be better, uh, that, uh, and other people have it. Other times they find themselves to be special, uh, and so fours can have an issue around connecting with people. Uh, they tend to want to be understood. They value authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to be motivated to express their deep emotions, often through artistic endeavors. Uh, and they're very concerned with aesthetics, and, and they, their attention also goes to what's missing or what could could be there that could make things better. Uh-huh. So that that was all three of the heart. What about the head? The head types are five, six, and seven. So uh, five, six, and seven all have a relationship to fear. Twos, threes, and fours, their relationship is to sadness or grief. And again, these are underlying emotions, not things that people necessarily walk around feeling. but. Uh-huh. Sixes, fives, and sevens are all um, very mental, more intellectual. Fives, I would say, are the more the most introverted type, uh, the least in touch with their emotions. They tend to automatically disconnect from emotions, uh, and they tend to kind of almost take refuge in the head. They tend to be mm-hmm. very good at, uh, they master, they become experts in their field. Uh, they're very oriented toward knowledge, information, data, facts things like that, Um, and they tend to like a lot of private space and can be focused on boundaries and having enough distance to feel a sense of that they have their own personal space and control of their own boundaries. Sometimes people think fives are more insensitive because they can seem a little bit quiet and distant, Uh but actually Uh they're very sensitive, which is why they need a little more space. Interesting. Even though they're head-based, they're sensitive. Yes, they're sensitive, but it's a yeah. It's it's almost like not having. I've heard it said like like a cat that doesn't have hair. It it, it can be okay, sort of they're yes. very they pick up on things very easily, and so and and it can feel they can feel overwhelmed, especially by other people's emotions. Right, which is why they need some space, and they need to be able to um, maintain control over time and space and energy and mm-hmm. resources like that. Yeah. So then type 6 is uh, sometimes, oh, and by the way, type 5 is sometimes called the observer or the quiet specialist. Uh-huh. Um, Makes sense. Uh, type 6 is sometimes called the, the contrarian or the devil's advocate. Sixes are types that are, are more uh, more centrally fear-based, and these are people who their attention goes to looking out for threats and danger on the horizon uh, and being prepared in case something goes wrong. So they tend to be good problem solvers that sometimes become problem seekers mm-hmm. because they're sort of thinking, okay, what could go wrong here and how can I create contingency plans so that if the worst happens, I'm ready. Right. Uh, and so in three different ways. And with six, it's, we haven't talked about subtypes, but it's almost hard. The three sixes are very different. And it sort of the, it goes with the idea of there being different responses to fear, like fight or flight. Everyone uh-huh. kind of understands that. Sure. There are different ways of going about sort of managing fear and managing relationships. They tend to be good at reading people, uh, seeing through false pretenses, because, again, their attention goes to, uh, is, this, is this person trustworthy? Uh, do their uh, actions match what they say? Uh, they're, they're looking out a little bit for what could go wrong or who might uh, be dangerous uh-huh. in that way. Um, but also really good at getting a lot done and good troubleshooters on a work team, things like that. Interesting. And that leaves one type left. One type left, sevens. So sevens are sometimes called the epicure or the adventurer. When people first learn the Enneagram, they often want to be sevens or want to hang out with sevens. Uh Sevens are kind of the fun type on the Enneagram. They Uh 
they like to keep things light. They're very positive. Uh, they tend to look on the bright side. Um, but this is all of the types have a kind of an ego strategy, a, a survival strategy uh, that's based in a kind of pattern of defense. And so uh, sevens, which sevens pattern, which is often unconscious, is they're moving toward pleasure uh, to move away from pain. Mm, so there's yeah, a, almost a, an underlying fear that's not always conscious of getting stuck in an unpleasant emotion like anxiety or discomfort or fear or even boredom. Uh, and so there's almost a need to make things light, to, to be stimulated. A lot of, they like a lot of mental stimulation. They're good at generating ideas. In the workplace, they tend to be very entrepreneurial because they think out of the box. Uh-huh. Uh, they are very future-oriented because it, they're, again, unconsciously going away from what could be unpleasant in the moment now yes. uh, to thinking about something exciting and interesting in the future. So they tend to be good at planning, uh, good at envisioning what, what good things that could happen, uh, again, both as a strength and as a way of kind of moving away from something that an underlying fear of getting trapped in something unpleasant. This is fascinating. Um, We're going to be heading to a break, and I want you as a listener to see if one of these categories resonated with you. And for those of you who've been listening for a while, I have to tell you that I I took um, Beatrice's um, survey to figure out what type I am. See if you can guess what it is. I'll share that when we return. Stay tuned for more with Dr. Beatrice Chestnut here in just a few moments. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Calling all moms. It's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, and loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power at work, home, and play. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms, helping everyday women create extraordinary lives every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit VibrantPowerfulMoms.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on 1150 AM KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. You know, I think that I could envision them going and 
decorating the little tree in Charlie Brown Christmas. Is that that what that music was to? Yeah, it's the uh, Otanenbaum. We actually, uh, the first year the boys were born, we actually got one of those little trees. Not Did the you? one that was from the movie, because they actually make one just like the one from the movie, too. Do they really? Yes, it's got one little ball hanging off the oh. top of it, curled <laughs> all the way down to the floor, practically. <laughs> but, um, because, you know, we were limited on space. We had just kid stuff all over, and, you know, when you have twins... And you didn't really know you were having twins until you found out. Uh-huh. Uh, the the house got packed pretty quick, full of items, sure. and so we ended up getting a tree topper. They sell the top of a tree that didn't really sell, or from the bottom half didn't work out. So also they'll cut the top off and they'll sell that separately. Oh, so, so had a it was tree. cute. We made that's, a little cute tree. That's great. Yeah, and it's it's great that you, your kids are what eight now. Your boys they will are eight? be eight next month. Yes. Yeah, in January. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and my my kids are all grown, so um, it's which the spirit's it's, still there though, Christine. It is oh, okay. It's, it's I love it, and Good. Um, it, but it's also fun with the little ones. Absolutely, I'm so grateful to have <clears throat> Dr. Beatrice Chestnut here today. She is talking about the Enneagram, and her books are very informative. And I tell you that um, I'm fascinated by this system. Now, Beatrice, you know, as I said on the break, I've seen so many different systems, and I often find them overwhelming. Like. How can I get pertinent information out of this if I'm just overwhelmed looking at the, the information? But I took the assessment that you sent to me. And then when I was reading the, the assessment, the results, it typed me as an eight, uh, which is like the challenger, the, the boss. Um, and in many, many ways, it fit perfectly, including my... Fear of vulnerability. You know, it's like one of my challenges in this life has been like the more public I get to share some of my vulnerabilities. And I did that recently in my TEDx talk when I shared about how I was molested as a, as a young child. But it was like this huge leap for me to be that vulnerable that publicly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, and, and when eights can allow themselves to be vulnerable, it's very powerful because their natural tendency is to kind of overcompensate uh, and sort of unconsciously avoid vulnerability and overcompensate in expressing power and strength. Uh-huh. Um, so that's exactly the growth path, and that sounds like a very amazing, profound thing that you did. Yeah, uh, you know, or crazy, depending on, you know, which part of me is in control <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's um, I was fascinated by it. And then you also have subtypes and and there were certain things within the type eight. It was like, I'm not sure that this aligns perfectly, but there was so much that was a yes. But by the time I got to reading about what my subtype was, um, I thought, you know, this system is incredibly accurate. So can you share with our listeners what the subtypes are and why you sort of hone it down to that next level? Sure. So the subtypes uh, are the idea that for each of the nine types, they're actually three versions of each type. There are three kinds of three types based on which of one of three uh, instincts we have that, again, all people have, but we tend to favor one more than the other. Uh, So we tend to favor one center of intelligence more than the other. We tend to live more from one type within that center. Uh And then within our type, we tend to, one of these three instincts tends to dominate our experience. And the three instincts are basically these kind of groupings of instincts uh, for self-preservation in the world, just sort of surviving one's uh, focus on, you know, resources, um, are you safe, things like that. Uh And then the social instinct, which is about relating to the group uh, or what your relationship is to the collective or other people generally. Mm -hmm. And then the one-to-one instinct, which is a lot about uh, interpersonal bonding with one other person. And you can see how all three of these can function as survival strategies that that reflect the the animal part of us, our animal intelligence. Right, right. And um, what's your subtype? So my subtype is self-preservation. So that's that's my that dominates my experience. So I'm at what a self-preservation too. Um, and this is in the even in the Enneagram world, the subtype component of the system hasn't always been well understood. And sometimes people say, "Well, I'm just learning nine twenty-seven. Sounds like a lot." Uh-huh. But when you learn your type, one of nine, it's a good idea to look into the subtypes because they just give more specific, more nuanced information. And like you said, reading about the type 8, there was a lot that fit, but there were some that didn't fit. 
oftentimes when you read the subtype piece, which gives more data, more information, more specific, more nuanced description of what your personality might be like and how it gets expressed in the world, um, that often can give you just more information where you can get even more clarity on, on who you are in your personality. So as a giver, helper, who has a subtype of self-preservation, how does that manifest itself in your life? So for me, it, it, a, a two that has a self-preservation instinct is, tends to be a bit more fearful than other twos. Uh-huh. So twos tend to be very outgoing. They tend to really reach out to people a lot. Their energy goes out. They focus on other people. Um, and, and they almost create a sense of comfort and power for themselves by being supportive of other people. And they can do quite a lot for other people. Uh-huh. Um, and they're just tuned into that. For me, as a self-preservation too, it's like I have more ambivalence about connecting with people. There's part of me that really wants to connect with people, but then there's also a kind of a fearfulness that sort of brings me backwards. So it's a little bit like a moving forward, but also moving backwards. Uh-huh. Um, there's a fear of like, well, what if they want too much for me, or what if they reject me, or mm-hmm. what will I be? What will be asked of me? Even though I want to be generous, there's a little bit of a twos can have a hard time saying no. Uh-huh. And so it's like, what if I get in a situation where I won't really want to say yes, but I can't say no? Uh-huh. So, so there's more fearfulness. There's a little bit more of a childlike nature to self-preservation, too, almost like we are kind of looking to be loved, looking for the love we might not have gotten early on. Uh-huh. So, again, we seek to be, like, charming and playful and fun-loving and, and um, funny and focus a lot on uh, pleasure and, and sort of being fun as a way of uh, getting attracting people and sure. friends. And right, like. right. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I'm an eight, which mm-hmm. can be inti- who can be intimidating. And, um, yes. and my subtype is the social connection to group. What, what do you call that? The- right, right. The social instinct. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, I mean, these are animal instincts, uh-huh. and it's a little bit like you can see in, in the animal world, getting along with the herd is a good thing. Sure. And when we do workshops on instincts and subtypes, we actually show videos of, like, swarms of sardines and the way they swim all together. Uh-huh. Um, and certainly in earlier eras of human history, when you didn't survive unless you were in a tribe. Absolutely, yeah. You can see that a little bit more. But it, it's even like that today. It's, it's almost a sensitivity to what's going on with other people. Uh, what's going on in the group? Sometimes it it it, it shows up as concern for social causes. Yes, and social eights in particular can be very. They tend to be very protective of others. Uh-huh. Uh, they tend to be sometimes eights can be perceived as being uh, more. Usually, eights do conflict more easily than other types. Most eights don't say they don't really like conflict, but they right. can do it. They, yeah. They're not afraid of it. Yes, um, but. Um, Eights are, the social eights are a little more mellow, a little less uh, aggressive, but they usually relate to being assertive, uh-huh. uh, but very tuned into other people, especially people that need protection or might be being exploited by others. So, for instance, I see a lot of social eights getting involved in causes where of animal rescue or oh, yeah, that's me. children yep. or, or, or women who have been abused or uh-huh. things like that very sensitive to underdog causes and, and ways that they can use their strengths for good in the world to protect those who may not be as strong. Yeah, and, and from my perspective about my own journey, it, it feels really important to me to show up and be a leader to help the collective, so to speak. Yes. And, you know, part of how I'm doing that is within the, the context of um, the consciousness realm. And for a long time, it was within the energy healing realm. Um, but that's like... That's so, such an integral part of my mission here, that if I didn't have that piece, I would feel like I, I wasn't fulfilled. Right. And even this radio show is a great example of that, mm-hmm. right? Getting right. the message, important messages out Absolutely. about important topics, about, you know, what you talk about to a lot of people all at once. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've had people say to me, well, does it, having your show bring in a lot of more business? And it's like, well, you know, I, I thought about that at the very beginning, but really I'm not featuring myself. It's, it's, it's kind of like my community service to the world is yes. t- to have these conversations because I'm so mission-based in that respect. Um, right. Yeah. It, so it's, it's just kind of spot on for me. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. So um, the, 
Can you share with with our listeners a little bit about somebody who's got the subtype of the the one-on-one kind of, um, you know, intent? Sure, sure. Yeah, there's, um, uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit about sort of uh, my assistant who kind of works with us and coordinates our events. She's a, she actually, she's a one-to-one eight. Uh Um, And one-to-ones tend to be, there tends to be a little bit more of a laser-like focus on one other person. And Uh it's not just, sometimes there's like a lot of focus on the partner, but it's more like one person at a time. (laughs) It can be, you know, more than one person in their lives. Uh, But they tend to have a lot of intensity um, and a lot of energy and uh, just a real focus that it, it can sometimes feel like that other person is everything. Uh-huh, right. So a lot of needs can get met through that other person or through a key relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a lot of energy to make relationships happen, um, to really um, sort of move toward people in an active way, uh, to express interest, um, um People who are one-to-one twos, I always say I envy them because they tend to be really good at flirting, uh, yeah. you know, sort of, <laughs> which I think is such a great, it, it's like how you kind of create relationships with this sort of, with a kind of, uh, you know, energy of personal appeal and uh-huh. kind of creating a space where you can make a connection um, in a certain way. So, um, so yeah, they tend to be, and it's also an energy behind creativity. Oh, Interesting. So they can often be very generative and creative when they're, especially when they're in a good space. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. Um, we're going to go to another quick break, but when we return, I'm going to share with you how you can connect with Beatrice, and we're going to talk about how um, the Enneagram can be, can relate to leadership and bosses. Stay tuned for more with Beatrice Chestnut here in just a few moments. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. As a former research statistician, my scientific background is what many would call sensible. For more than a decade now, I have been working in the field of energy medicine, facilitating sessions and teaching around the world. People from the mainstream often ask me, how did a sensible woman like you end up working in such an alternative field? Implicit in their question is the underlying assumption that the field of subtle energy, such as energy healing and intuition, isn't sensible. But I believe it is very sensible. Even scientists are able to measure aspects of this. Approaching life from an energetic perspective brings us new opportunity for healing and transformation. And from a practical standpoint, even if you can't rationally explain how something works, if you experience a shift from it, then doesn't it make it pretty sensible? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Are you willing to challenge everything you've been taught about life and death? Join Angie Corbett Kuyper on her hit show, Beyond Grief Radio. Redefining loss and grief as Angie shares through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind that creating anything is possible, even in death. Tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information or to listen to past shows, visit AngieCorbettKuyper.com. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 
or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrich Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. And in the gazillion syndicated places, this ends up after the fact. Thank you for joining us here. And this hour is flying by. Um, Beatrice, before we go any further, I want you to share with our listeners how they can connect with you and what events you might have coming up. Sure. Um, They can learn about my workshops and uh, other things on my website, which is BeatriceChestnut.com. Um, We're coming out with a new website at the end of the month that's going to be more about the Enneagram school that my business partner and I are starting, which Uh will be called Chestnut Pious Enneagram Academy. Uh, But BeatriceChestnut.com is the place, and we we do workshops for professionals who want to use the Enneagram in the workplace and with clients. We also do inner work retreats where we help people kind of go deeper and make some deep inner shifts. Uh, using the Enneagram as a tool. Um, And we have a professional workshop coming up at the end of February and our first retreat called The Real Enneagram at the beginning of March in California, Northern California. Uh And if somebody wants to just get an assessment to figure out what type they are, what subtype they are, how do they go about doing that? Sure. There's a couple ways. Um, We have um, the the one test that I refer people to because a lot of online tests really aren't very good Uh when it comes to the Enneagram um, is something called, it's put out by a company called Integrative Enneagram Solutions. uh, And that's by far the best test. It's it's an online test. It takes about 30 minutes and it uh, comes out with a report. Um, but another way is to do a typing interview. I do t- 90-minute typing interviews with people and you know, ask a whole lot of questions and then usually help guide them toward you know, the one or two types that I think they probably are. Right. Um, and, and so those are probably two of the basic ways. Sometimes people just read books and kind of fi- find themselves in one of the types they read about. Uh, but those are the ways I would recommend. It's funny because when I, I first started to figure it out, try to figure it out by reading a book, um, I was identifying with so many aspects of, of the various types. At, I wasn't sure. But yeah. um, once I took the, the survey and it, I was somebody else, you know, some system was typing me for me, it was, it was much easier for me to see, oh, yeah, this is me. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to find your type because people identify pieces of themselves in different types. And it makes sense that we have connections to at least four other types, the uh-huh. types right next to us on the circular diagram and the two types that we're connected to with the internal arrow lines uh-huh. that are within the Enneagram symbol. And so it makes sense that it can be hard to find your type. And so there is a bit of a learning curve with the Enneagram, but I think it, if people invest the time in understanding it a bit, it, it, it pays off a lot. Uh-huh. And um, based on what I read here, it was also fascinating for me to think in terms of, you know, other people in my life and what types they are. Um, And so I know that there's probably a lot of inner work you can do. But also it seems like it would be helpful for relationships as well, including um, bosses. Uh, And you've got an entire book on the nine types of leadership. Um, Right. So why is it important to know like how what kind of leaders we are or what kind of leaders we need to deal with at the office? Well, I think, first of all, some people feel like there's a leader type uh, and that not all types can be leaders. And so one of the things I wanted to emphasize is that everybody has leadership ability. That uh-huh. It just tends to take a different shape. Uh, and so sometimes people think, well, I can't be a leader because I'm like this. And so... Right. I I thought it was good to highlight the strengths that different types naturally have and can develop, but also the challenges that particular leaders have so that they can be better. Yes. Um, I think that probably the key aspect of any leader in being a good leader is having the ability to observe themselves and notice uh, what their strong points are, but also what their blind spots and challenges are. And the leaders that can't look at that, that get defensive around feedback that Mm -hmm. I think aren't very successful in the long run. And to have a sense of of how we can affect others, even if we're doing something that isn't like really what what psychologists would call the shadow side, so to speak. But it's just kind of like, for instance, I think I can be rather intimidating. And it, it surprises me sometimes because I'm just sort of straightforward and bold and it's just who I am, and I don't try to be intimidating, but I've, I've come to learn that people can be intimidated by me. 
And yeah. so reading about type eight helps me to understand that that's, that's sort of naturally who I am. And this is the reaction that, that people who are working with me could have. Exactly. Exactly. It helps people understand other people uh, so they can just have more empathy, so they can see more where they're coming from and find ways to work together uh, in a more easy way. Like sometimes you'll have a leader who is, you know, causing a problem because they can't make a decision. Right. Um, And so to understand, for the leader themselves to understand, say, they're a six, um, and why they can't make a decision and have compassion for themselves, but also realize how that has a negative effect at work, you know, as a leader, and how they can work on that, um, it sort of frames the whole thing as just a normal human issue rather than people having faults and not being able to grow. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So... How can we use the Enneagram um, to create change in our lives? I think the Enneagram helps us see with more clarity uh, the ways we get in our own way Mm. and the ways we may not see that we get in our own way. Um, And so recognizing, you know, I tend to do this thing and it's actually not really serving me. And so the Enneagram, it gives us a little bit more of an objective map of our strengths and our challenges. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our challenges are simply us overdoing our strengths and uh-huh. not creating a wider repertoire of strategies. Oh, that's interesting. Say that again, because I, I, I think this is a really important point. Yeah. So, I mean, so many times people want to focus on strengths, and I think that's a good thing. But sometimes people overuse their strengths to the point where they don't recognize different strategies that they may need to add to their toolkit that can actually help them be more flexible, Uh adaptable, do more things in their lives, and not be uh, kind of stuck in sort of doing the same thing over and over again, even when different strategies would actually be more effective. Right. That's fascinating. Um, We have run out of time. I want to share with our listeners again your website. It's BeatriceChestnut.com. That's B-E-A-T-R-I-C-E. C-H-E-S-T-N-U-T dot com. Um, do you have a final message for our listeners? Um, just to say I appreciate anyone who's doing the inner work and, and is dedicated to their own growth. I think it's both good for individuals and also for the community. So, And I appreciate you doing the show. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. It's been a joy, and I've really enjoyed your books, Um, and I'm fascinated by this. It's it's like there's so many systems out there, and this is very informative for me. Um, Anyway, if you happen to celebrate Christmas, and I know there are a lot of you out there, and you're listening to this before Christmas, I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas, Uh, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. I will be here before 2019. I'll be here again next week. Thanks for joining us here today. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions. You've just heard an encore presentation from the Transformation Talk Radio Network. For more information about the network, visit TransformationTalkRadio.com.